Welcome, sports fans, to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don, with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JTandTheDon at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don, Donato Bucci, and please remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to please leave us a five-star review. So happy new year to everybody out there, to all of our fans and listeners. Hope you had a wonderful and safe new year's. JT and I are ready to rock, ready to go back better than ever before. And to start the new year, we have an action-packed episode, so we hope you enjoy it. Uh, Almost a little bit of everything, but we're going to get into a lot of football since it's that time of the year, national title game coming up, and the playoffs. So let me welcome in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How are you feeling today? Feeling good. It feels good to be back from the holidays because I feel like it was so good to take a break from having to listen to you. But, you know, 2021 just started. Here we are. So we got to go to work, right? Got to do the show. New year, same JT being rude to me. But hey, I'd have it no other way because it gets me fired up and gets me ready for these episodes. In all fairness, in all fairness to the situation, I've never been much of a New Year's resolution guy. So I... I didn't throw that out there, so I don't know why you expected it. But here's here's something that I did not think we'd have to do. We're going to kick off another show talking about the Philadelphia oh Eagles. Oh, my God. Is this a Philadelphia sports podcast? This I is ridiculous. I feel like ridiculous. we should just move to Philly, just, you know, see how much rent costs to do a studio there. And I don't know. I feel like we are Eagles beat reporters at this point. Could, we could, we could uh, record from the Rocky Steps. Nah, it's too cold. I got to be inside. I'm not built like that. I'm a Florida kid. Uh, But yeah, let's start with the Eagles. So you know where we're going with this. Uh, Eagles coach Doug Peterson is taking a lot of heat for pulling quarterback Jalen Hurts early in the fourth quarter of last Sunday night's game against the Washington football team for, get this, third string quarterback Nate Sudfeld. So the Eagles, of course, ended up losing the game, which propelled Washington into the playoffs, keeping the Giants at home. Now, Don, first part I want to ask you, do you have a problem with what Peterson did and should he be fired for it? So from an Eagles organization perspective, no, no, Doug P, I have no issue with this. So you got no problem with Dougie P what he did? No, because he has to do what is best for his team. And that's the Eagles. It's not the National Football League. It's not the NFC East. It's not the the Giants. (laughs) It's not the NFC. And like you said, it's not the Giants. Like, why should he care about the Giants? You tell me. The Giants don't care about what the Eagles do, except when it affects them. So the Giants, in my opinion, if you want to be a Giants fan or a football player or the head coach of the Giants or in their organization, you know what you should have done? You should have won an extra game. It wouldn't even come down to Sunday night football. All right, so that's on you, the Giants. And even Joe Judge and the players alluded to that fact, right? There were some players that complained, even Joe Judge a little bit in his his end-of-the-season press conference, but even they admitted that, all right? So 
how come JT other teams can tank like the Jets, the Jaguars, fair enough, and, and not get criticized, right? And and I'll take it a step further. Even my Steelers, they sat Ben Roethlisberger. So are the Miami Dolphins mad at the Steelers for that? Because I get, I'll tell you what, had the Steelers beat in the Browns, Miami would be in the playoffs. So so you're so you're saying you're basically confirming in your opinion that this was a meaningless game by all accounts. Like we knew they couldn't win to get into the playoffs, but just meaningless from the point of basically none of their starters should have played in that game. I'm not saying that because you got to have some starters, or if if not, you're gonna. No, you don't. Well, you're not gonna have enough guys to play special teams and then be able to play offense and defense and have possible injuries and backups. Right? Players need rest. I'm not saying bench all of them, but this is my thing. He even he should have played this out better. Because he even admitted to the announcers, and you heard the announcers say that, oh, they weren't surprised that Nate Sudfeld was coming in because they said Doug Peterson said he would get time in the game. Now, what Peterson should have done was said that in his press conference and had a game plan. Hey, Jalen Hurts is starting the game. He's only going to play the first half because I want to see what Nate Sudfeld has if I need to keep him on the roster next year, especially if they let Wentz go. Because guess what? Then they will need a backup. So that's one. He should have played it out better. But this is the most important thing, JT. Forget all that. The main thing is they went from number nine in the draft to number six. Doesn't sound like much, but it is huge when you're dealing that close to the top 10, top five, top three, right? Because now, guess what? They're in line to take Devonta Smith, right? He may fall to number six. He definitely not fall to number nine. Or they he, can trade out of it if there's a quarterback run. Exactly. But let's stick with not trading out of it because they maybe could trade out of it at nine, too, depending on who was left. But at six, you got Smith, who is the Heisman winner, and we'll get to that later. But number nine, you're not getting Smith. And guess where Smith played? Devontae yeah. Smith played at Alabama. Who, who else played at Alabama on that Philadelphia yes, roster? Yes, I know Jalen Hurts. Ah, Jalen Hurts. And, and they actually played two years together. So you know what? Now you got your weapon because you lost a meaningless game for the Philly organization. And guess what? In 10 years, if they raise another Lombardi with Hurts and Devontae Smith, no one will remember that, oh, no one will bash Peterson for this move. I wanted to oh, go with can, you on let that. Me, let me add one more thing. Oh, Jalen Hurts, when he got pulled, was 7 of 20 for 72 yards, an interception, no touchdowns, 34 rushing yards. JT, the guy was not lighting it up. There is no proof that they were going to win that game with Jalen Hurts in. So uh, he had, made Sudfeld. You had to open the door. That, Go ahead, kick it, kick through it then. If you well, think, first of all, if you think they would have won if with you, Hurts? A few things. If you want to go on numbers, yes, he wasn't having a great day as a passer, but he was literally the only reason that offense was in the game. Had two rushing touchdowns. Also, questionable call by Doug Peterson. Down by three, seventeen to fourteen. Instead of kicking the field goal to tie it up, they go for it on fourth down. Anyway, that's beside the point. And also, he didn't look any worse than Carson Wentz had looked for the previous like 12 games that he got to start and finish horribly now anyway let me go to the original question did I have a problem with what Peterson did I was gonna be along with you all the way until just 
it just keeps coming back to this. If this is about basically what you're saying is it's a meaningless game. It's about, you know, protecting the people on the team and what you got. And then all of a sudden they had this grand plan to move up all the way from nine to the sixth spot in the draft. That was the grand plan, right? Well, apparently everybody else must have known that except for the guys that play for the Philadelphia Eagles because that's the way nobody JT, that's the way it normally is. No, nobody, nobody agreed. Nobody agreed. Nope. Those nobody guys agreed with that. Players never tank. It's organizations, never players. Remember that they're playing for their job every game. And that's and that's the problem that I have with it. You might be tanking for a better future, but guess what? Those guys that are going out there and playing that are active, you're putting their careers on the line by saying this game doesn't matter, by putting them in a position to to try to lose this game disrespectful this ain't no different than when Vontae davis retired at halftime when he was with the bills he got all that flack for that this is the same or worse to how, me how is that any different you game plan you they put them in a position to win they were losing no but no they didn't game plan it because nobody thought they were going to pull jalen hurts they and they too. definitely didn't think they were going to pull him in the game that they could actually win they weren't think they knew they weren't going to go to the playoffs but was, those guys still want to play but here, but here's here's the real problem I have with this. It, it it's not so much the Jalen Hurts part, which we'll get to his reaction in a moment. Not so much about him. To me, and you might disagree with me. The problem that I had with this is, I'll give you, you know, they want to get the the better draft spot. They want to evaluate some guys, even though I don't know why anybody would want to evaluate Nate Sudfeld. Here's the real issue I have with what Doug Peterson did. And to answer your, the second question, should he be fired for it? No, because this clearly tells me that this game, him and management were on the same page because this obviously came from up top. This move that they pulled in this game, to me, had more to do with Carson Wentz than anything else. And I felt like them losing this game and doing it the way they did was a virtue signaling to Carson Wentz, look, you're still our guy. And we will do whatever it takes to work it out with you in the offseason. They, I felt like they made this move to appease Carson Wentz's ego because if they really wanted to show him off for trade, they could have threw him in there when Jalen Hurts was um, struggling. But guess what? They made him inactive because they didn't want him to get hurt. One, because they were going to trade him. But I think they didn't want him to get hurt because they they really plan like Doug Peterson said. They think they can go into the offseason and work out whatever differences they have between each other and get them to come back and not request a trade. This move was about appeasing his ego and showing him, look, you're clearly better than these guys. And guess what? With the two of them playing in this game, we struggle without you. Come back. We need you. All right. There, there's a lot there. So we're going to stay on this topic because I, I've got to rebut a couple of the things you said. So first, it wasn't a meaningless game to the organization. It's just that they didn't mind losing, but to say it's a meaningless game, no game is meaningless. You're out there competing and players are competitive. Coaches are competitive. So even in a game like this, you do want to win, but it's more, of, I, that's what I'm saying from an organization perspective. All right. This game didn't mean as much because they couldn't go to the playoffs. But it's never a meaningless game. That's one. Two, you talked about without Hurts, he was running around, and they wouldn't even been in that position. That's exactly why you shouldn't have him out there. He could have got hurt. 
because he was playing. So why not? As, so why not just make him no, inactive and just make Sudfeld the start of the whole game? Because it's a game you want to lose. You gotta have two quarterbacks, and he's a young guy. Oh, cool. They Josh still McCown, wanted him, him to come in they for still, one game. They still wanted him to get reps. All right. But also, you're talking about Wentz. Why wasn't he in there? Because they didn't want him to get hurt. Because then he definitely would have no trade value. And then the main thing I want to talk about is you're talking about the players' careers and this. You're messing with them. I'll tell you what. If it was so, if winning was so important to those players, why did you only win four games? You should have won eleven, and you would have been on a on a bye for week seventeen. <laughs> well, if they cared about winning, they would have benched Carson Wentz earlier. But that's side the point. Not, not true, because you saw it Sunday night. It's a team, JT. They oh, need it is, to be. For sure. They need sure. more pieces, and number six starts to build their pieces. So I already gave my answer on should he be fired. What's yours? No, not right now. The dude won a Super Bowl. You got to give him at least yeah, another year or two. Yeah, that Super Bowl has got Frank Reich's name on it as well. Eh, but let's go to the man of the we'll hour. See, we'll see what Frank Reich does in Buffalo this week. Yeah, we'll see. If he if he had uh, anybody but Phillip Rivers, it might be different. Um, Jalen Hurts, visibly pissed off because clearly he wasn't in on the, on the fix that the Eagles had going. How do you think he should feel about being benched in that situation? Yeah, no, he definitely should be upset. I mean, he's a competitor. He wants to win. You know this. Like, he, he waited his time in Bama, then had to go to Oklahoma. Like, dude, he's a competitor. I, I totally get him being upset. Plus, he needs that late game, late in the season, division on the line experience. And, and they didn't really let him get a full feel of it. Um, now, next season, you know, next start is not a given. So he definitely should be upset because you, you know, you never know when that next start's going to be. But I think he handled it like a pro. He is handling it like a pro. Oh, that's, that's and, who he and is. It that's is why a good they like him. Yeah, it's a good learning experience because things in the NFL are not always rosy. So, Yeah. Um, two things he should feel if I were him. One, either the GM or the coach, they don't, tr- they don't trust me yet. And what I mean by that is they don't trust me to play terribly majority of the game and then, you know, stick with it and still have a chance to pull out the victory. So it tell it, I would feel like they don't trust me yet. And it goes back to what I said before. This tells me that they, they still want Carson wins. And that's how I would feel if I was Jalen Hurts. I, I don't want you to answer this question, but then why did they take him in the second round if they're not even giving him a chance? You but know? we don't like, even know. It's who made the, that's the thing. We don't know who made the decision. That's that. That's the someone one thing did. And someone still, did. And they're still but in the it, organization. But here's the thing. How would you feel? How would you feel about this if you knew for a fact that it was the owner and not Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson that made a decision? Because it seems like Peterson. Is a, is a Wentz guy. It seems like Roseman, to me, if I had to put my money on it, he's a Wentz guy. I'm imagining it's like like the Washington football team. The owner might have got tired of, you know, Wentz being hurt and seeing this and that. He's like, all right, let me get some insurance just in case, and I'll, I'll make them get Jalen Hurts in the second round. So, you know, usually when that happens, there's always going to be a riff. But I, but, but when, I, that, when that happens and the quarterback is like Hurts, very professional, not quite like Haskins, that means the coach is the first one to go and not the player. So remember that when the owner likes the player, unless it's unless Peterson wins six Super Bowls like Belichick, the players stay. Before we we move from this, JT, real quick, one word answer, one team. If Wentz is not there next year, best landing spot for him? It's the Colts, just because of Frank Reich. I'm going to go 49ers. 
All right, so let's go to a non-playoff team and a playoff team. Let's talk Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and the Patriots. Obviously, the Buccaneers are in the playoffs playing the Washington football team this weekend, while the Patriots missed the playoffs for the first time in years. I don't even know, I don't even know how many years in a row they had made it until this year. So, JT, would the Patriots have made the playoffs had Brady still been there? As ridiculous as this question sounds, I'm going to say no, just because I don't know if Brady was on that team this year. I don't know if they would get the 10 wins. And even if they did, let's say if they got to nine wins, it's not a guarantee they get into the playoffs. So I'm just, the odds just tell me, regardless of who was ever the quarterback of that team this year, they're not a playoff team and nobody could have got it in that far. I agree with you. I don't think, and I totally agree. I think maybe nine wins instead of seven and nine, flip it. You go nine and seven, but you need a 10, 11 wins to get in. So I I agree. Too many guys opted out for new England. Stefan Gilmore got hurt late, way less weapons than even last year. And Brady, they didn't even have Edelman as bad as they looked this year. Exactly. And Sony Michelle was injured for a good portion. He's always the, injured the for Dolphins a good portion. and the Dolphins and Bills weren't even they were improved from a season ago. I mean, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I I don't think they would have made it either. All right. So we agree that uh for the moment Patriots Dynasty is over, which is something short term is exciting. But let's stick with quarterbacks. So let's talk about backup quarterbacks. Uh, there are a lot of backup quarterbacks getting crucial playing time at the end of the season and throughout the season. So uh, shout out to Nate Sudfeld. Uh, you got on the field. We got to see how good you really are. Uh, but I also want to throw in that list guys like Andy Dalton, uh, Taysom Hill was a starter for a while amongst some others. So uh, one guy, just one guy only, who is your vote for the best backup quarterback in the NFL? You know, this is a guy that hasn't. I think really, we have the same person, to be honest with you. I don't. I don't think this is a guy that really hasn't played that much this season, but he is a backup. I'm going Jacoby Brissett because this is a guy that you basically what a backup is. You want a guy who can step in either mid-game situation and or, and, and dive forward and then or, go back out <laughs> or win a game. So you know, for at least a little bit as a backup, maybe not a, a total you know long-term starter, but. Brissett can do that, right? He can come in mid-game or prepare if you need him for a week or two. He has been in so many different scenarios in his NFL career as a backup that he's comfortable in any situation. And he has shown that he can kind of win long-term enough as well. So I'm going Jacoby Brissett because he checks all the boxes as a backup but can also possibly be a long-term or a longer-term replacement. And honorable mention to my guy, P.J. Walker. Yeah, I love P.J. Walker. Um, once again, you disappoint me. Oh, man. I thought this was an easy. I love open, disappointing you. Open yes. shut case. It's only one answer. It's Ryan Fitzpatrick because I'll leave it with this. Ryan Fitzpatrick is so far and away the best backup quarterback in the league. If he were the starter, the Dolphins would be in the playoffs. You were the same guy nah. midway through that said, yeah. I said we should not bench him. I said we should have not benched him. I said that we he. Let yeah, go back up. and pull that tape. I'll pull that I def- up for next episode. Definitely said, I don't know what the Dolphins are doing. You're handing a playoff team to a rookie. If Fitz is playing good, we should not be doing this. I said, we will regret this. Go pull the tape. I, I absolutely will. You better believe it. Monday morning quarterback. We're going to look at the film. The film don't lie, JT. 
So well, except when you were running routes, but whatever. There's never any film on that. So let's now that the regular season's over, let's just kind of do a, a quick season recap of the regular season. All right. So give me one only. One only. What is what was your biggest surprise this season? So I made my own regular rules. season. I'm gonna give you one only, one offense, one defense. So whatever. Uh biggest surprise on offense gotta be Josh Allen. Nobody thought that was going to happen. He didn't even have one game of 300 yards passing until this season. He's in year three. I mean, and he's basically an MVP candidate. Unreal. And then on defense, uh, it was Hassan Reddick, the linebacker from Arizona. He was kind of a bust for a while. People forget he was a first-round pick. 11 sacks this year, including that five-sack game he had uh, toward the end of the season. So those are my two. I figured you'd have Josh Allen. So I went James Robinson. I mean, this dude came out of nowhere. And that's the definition of a surprise. <laughs> I mean, he came out of nowhere and he helped a lot of people in fantasy football, too. So he was a pleasant surprise for a lot of people. Listen, he had the most yards from scrimmage as an undrafted rookie running back ever, JT. Did he and get like the record? He did. He got the most yards from scrimmage, ah, okay. but he, he didn't, didn't get, get the, the rushing. rushing. Correct. Correct. So that's mine. Yours was Josh Allen. Mine was James Robinson on offense. I didn't do a defense because I didn't know the rules. So let's go pick only one again. And you'll probably, of course, skew the rules a little bit. But biggest disappointment this regular season. I feel like this was too easy. So do you have Carson Wentz? Or you just didn't put him because you figured I'd put him? That's what I did. Yeah. So just say, you want to say, you back. It is. That's what I have written down. There's just no commentary needed. I mean, everybody just thought he would return to MVP form, and now he might not even be on the team by opening day next year. So uh, I just don't know what went wrong with him this year. (laughs) Yeah, I knew you would say that, so I left him off my list, even though he would be number one. But right there with him, the demise of Ezekiel Elliott, I read somewhere, I think through week 13 or 14, he only had one 20-yard run or longer all season, JT, up until that week. Oh, yeah, I and, remember that, yeah. And the play resulted in a fumble. Yes. And then he missed, like, the last two or three games of the year. So, I mean, you talk about falling off the cliff real quick. He's starting to go down at JT, and I don't know if he's going to recover because you know the way running backs are with their – uh you know, with their career span in the yeah. NFL. So yeah, he's, def- he's definitely hit that point where the carries are definitely affecting his performance. Right. But not to say he can't turn it around, but this season definitely, to me, the biggest disappointment. Can I give you an honorable mention really quick? It's on yeah. defense. I know when you go look at the stats, you're going to be like, well, I mean, he didn't do that bad. But I've seen this for two years now, and a guy that's disappointing me, it's not necessarily the numbers, but it's the impact that he has on the game or he's not having on the game like he used to. It's Khalil Mack. And I think he's a guy that's disappointing me because he was, all right, J.J. Watt and then Khalil Mack's about to take over the league as the best defensive player. Bro, I forget he plays for the Bears at times. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking about that watching that game against Green Bay, and it was like he's not Where as he? dominant. Yep, yep. You he, and you think about how life comes at you fast. He got to he got to Chicago two years ago, right? Yeah, uh, I think maybe three now. Was it three years ago? I think. Think so. about the first game he played 
with the, the Bears, Packers. and it was against the Packers. Packers. He, no, but- he he knocked Aaron Rodgers out of the game, had a defensive touchdown, three sacks. It, like, everybody was like, John Gruden is an idiot for trading this guy. Three years later, it's like, oh, shoot, he's on the roster. I didn't even know that. <laughs> That's true. I, I agree with you. That is – I don't know if he's the biggest dis- disappointment on defense, but he was disappointed. Point, but he, to me, say. I just feel like just a combination of where he was. And, like, when you yeah. hear the name, you're like, oh, yeah, that's Khalil Mack. Like, he's – did he even make the Pro Bowl? I don't know, but – Probably not. Who kind of doesn't these days? Um, so, well, let's stick with individual players then. What player this year has shown you enough that you believe – How much time that, we got. <laughs> <laughs> they're due for a breakout year next season. What's your definition of a breakout? Because I feel like to do this, to be on this list, you kind of had to have had like a mini breakout. I would say one of two things. Either you got just a little bit of playing time and then you're going to be like a fantasy star or a pro bowler or Mm kind of Josh Allen. Had a decent year last year, but now he had like an MVP type year. So one of those two categories. Man, I had four. I just didn't know which ones you were going to pick. So I'll let you go first. All right, so I'll give you my three real quick. Kyler Murray, I think he's going to have a year like Josh Allen is having this year. It's year three, so I see Kyler Murray as that. Let's talk MVP candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, J.K. Dobbins started to turn around at the end of the year, and I think oh, he'll yeah, be the sure. I think will be the main back. And then two receivers, Brandon Ayuk, because he did this without Jimmy G and no George Kittle to help he did him. Did it with, with Nick Mullins, <laughs> and then. A guy that's totally off the radar right now, but I can see him becoming a number one receiver on the team and then maybe very relevant in fantasy. And I'm scared to do this because I feel like I'm giving away one of my guys that I may want next year and we're in the same fantasy football league. But Denzel Mims of the New York Jets. I like Mims. And he he played really well, surprisingly, with Gase calling the plays and Darnold throwing the passes. It seems like nobody should be able to do anything. I like those picks. Um, I'll give you the guys I have. Some of them are a little bit obvious. If he can hang on to the ball, I think Deontay Johnson is the next superstar wide receiver because he's doing something right for Ben to say, you know what? You don't even really know how to play the game mistake-free. I'm still going to throw it to you 15 times a game. And that says a lot because if you think about it, that's Antonio Brown level of attention that he's getting from a pro, a Hall of Fame Pro Bowl quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. So, Obviously, Ben sees something that requires him to make him that much of the that much part of the game plan. So if he can get rid of the drops, I think Deontay, you're looking at maybe like a top four receiver in the league and get it together. That's a good um, one. Next, uh, Robert Tunyon, tight end, Packers. He didn't he didn't catch a lot of passes, but he scored a lot of touchdowns. I think he led all tight ends and touchdowns. He had what, 12 or 11? So he's playing with Aaron Rodgers. Clearly, Rodgers still has MVP caliber play left. So if they can come in and, you know, a full offseason where they're making him like, look, you're the number two guy behind Devontae. I think you're looking at maybe like that George Kittle type of breakout next year when he's getting more targets and more looks. And I think he's a guy that we're going to be like, man, we should have seen this like this, this breakout coming. Wow. Okay. Okay. Next guy, I'm going to stick with the Packers. I'm, I'm going to get out of the fantasy realm. I'm going to go on defense. I saw him do this a lot because mainly he messed up a lot of my fantasy matchups. But I, I'm going to ask you an easy question. Pro football focus, they rate all the players, right? Who do you think was the number one cornerback in the league? Was it Alexander? 
No, it was Jalen Ramsey. But Jair Alexander was number two. He and there was points at this year where Jair Alexander was the number one cornerback according to the Pro Football Focus. You think about it, most people don't even know who he is. And he, if you go look at the numbers, he locked down receivers all year. I mean, some studs he locked down for bad games. So I think you're looking at the next like Revis, uh, Jalen Ramsey type of lockdown corner where teams are going to be like, look, this is number 23. Stay away from him. We're not throwing to his side of the field. And then the last one, um, kind of piggybacking off your disappointing player, I'm going to go Tony Pollard because I think he showed this year that if they can financially do it, the Cowboys can move on from Zeke Elliott and they'll be in good hands. Tony Pollard is fresh. He's athletic. He don't fumble the ball. He's a good receiver. He might be a better receiver than Zeke. And I think you got to go with the young guy. He showed me some things, especially at the end of the year, to let me know that he, with more opportunity, could be a breakout player. And that, JT, is why you don't pay running backs beyond their rookie contracts to long-term extensions to big money. I get there's it. always a Tony Pollard out there. Not to say Pollard's not good. I think he is going to be really good. And you saw you saw glimpses of it. But when you got a Tony Pollard, why pay Zeke all that money? You could have saved well, that money. They didn't have him at the time. You, you could have saved that money for, for, uh, for Dak. All right. So w- one more question to kind of cap the season. We saw, JT, many historical performances this season. Which one, in your opinion, was the most impressive game performance? You know what's crazy? Um, when, we, when you brought this question – I I actually had read an article uh, like a couple of days before, and it was like the top 50 fantasy performances of the year. And I went through all of them like these were crazy games like this was like this had to be one of the, like the most crazy years in, in terms of like weekly performances by like offensive players. Like I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this, but out of that crazy list, I got to pick two. One is just me being a homer because he basically won me. Most of my fantasy matchups. With I had it. I had it at the top. Performance. Go ahead. <laughs> you got to go with Alvin Kamara. Six touchdowns. Should have been seven. Thank you, Taysom Hill. On Christmas Day against the Vikings. I mean, this game was so incredible. I remember I was watching this at my parents' house. He had scored three touchdowns before halftime. I was like, all right, we got to get in the car and go home. 30-minute drive. By the time I get home, I got a text saying like, oh, are you happy now? He scored touchdown number five. And before I can verify that, he scores touchdown number six. And it's just, man, how do you let somebody score that many times? That's like everybody on the Vikings defense shouldn't have got a check after that game. And then um, the other one is you got to go with Tyree Kill, week 12 against the Bucs, 13 catches, 269 yards, three touchdowns. Crazy thing is he did, I think, 200 plus of that in the first half. So – those are my two performances that I thought were the most impressive. Well, I had the Kamara one for sure, but I figured you would you would pick that since he oh, I had you. to. He I would have said, helped- said Devontae's three touchdowns in the snow too, but I mean, six touchdowns, you can't beat that. He not only helped you win the fantasy title, but a lot of other people. So that is definitely an impressive game performance. I'm going to go with not so much a performance, but kind of a milestone. And that happened in week 12, and I hope I'm getting the name right. Cali Brownson of the Cleveland Browns became the first woman to serve as a position coach in NFL history when she served as interim tight ends coach for the Cleveland Browns. That happened in week 12. I was going back kind of like you did with 
the fantasy stats, I went back and just looked at all the historical moments from each week, and I saw this from week 12, and this one stood out. Kamara, obviously a great in-game performance, but what she did setting a milestone history, that is true history. So I've, I've got to go with, with her week 12. Yeah, um, I remember us posting about that. Um, shout out to her. Um, definitely on the year, that's probably one of the biggest milestones, if not the biggest one in the NFL for the year. And um, hopefully her and others um, like uh, like like Katie and, uh, and San Francisco, hopefully they keep – you know, grinding away and keep moving up that ladder to um, eventually, you know, they'll be coaching their own team. So um, we'll definitely talk a little bit about that later. But um, uh, yeah, hats off. I think that is <laughs> the most impressive performance, uh, what you brought up. But sticking with head coaches. So everyone knows we're at that point in NFL where Monday the coaches get fired and Tuesday the interviews begin. So everyone's really optimistic about who's going to be coaching where and which new coach is going to be bringing, you know, victories to the teams that didn't have them before. So uh, main teams up on the slate, six head coaching vacancies. So, of course, we have the Jags, Jets, Falcons, Lions, Chargers, and Texans. So what I want from you is who do you have as the top three coaching candidates on your list overall for the offseason, and which of those coaches should go where? So coach and then team. So my top three candidates. Um, you want to go back and forth, like one and three, three, two, yeah. one. Yeah, let's let's do that, and we can say where they should go. I think we both got it. Number one is it Eric Bieniemy? Yeah, I got Bieniemy okay. at number one. I think he should go to the Texans because he's got Deshaun Watson. He can kind of build the offense the way they did with the Chiefs, and he can build that offense the way he wants to, but already has a stud quarterback. I will. I do have B enemy at number one. I was all for him going to the Texans for all the reasons you named until the Texans went and ruined it with the hire they made at GM um, player personnel uh, guy from the Patriots. I'm drawing a blank Nick, right now. Nick Casario. Nick Casario. This has nothing to do with him, but this is why I wouldn't take that job because this all but tells me. They, I feel like they're trying to find a way to get Josh McDaniels there <laughs> to join him. But I actually would want him to go to the, to the Chargers. And it's because they have a quarterback on a rookie deal, already proven that, he's, that he can play. All their weapons on offense are locked up to good deals. Keenan Allen's locked up. Austin Eckler's locked up. Um, I think Mike Williams is, was locked up as well. And plus, he still has a chance to get a GM that I think will be a good fit for him to come along with him. Lewis Riddick, hopefully. Uh, so I definitely would think the Chargers would be the best landing spot for him. This is the only reason why I would hesitate to put the Chargers. Past experiences his... with the Chargers. No, well, that always. That could be any coach, man. You could bring back Lombardi, and I'm sure he'd be worried about going to the Chargers the way that organization is. But he's got to play the Chiefs twice a year. I just don't like that for him as his first head coaching job because – those are going to be two really tough games. And then you got to match up against Gruden with the Raiders. And yes, we joke about the Raiders, but they are improving, JT. Yeah, they are. However Much you want to put it. Much more than thought they would. Exactly. So he's now in a tough division there. Um, number two, I've got Robert Sala. He is currently the defensive coordinator of the 49ers. I've got him. He's defensive-minded guy, young, tons of energy. He gets the best out of his guys. You saw what he did this year with a lot of injuries. I think he should go to the Falcons. 
They have the offense in place, even though it's a little bit older. He can build the defense the way he wants to combine two forces. Maybe he gets them to the playoffs. Hmm. The, I, I love the Robert Sala pick. And the only reason I don't have him is because we can only choose three guys, but he's number four. Um, number two is your, your buddy, Arthur Smith. OC. Ooh, you, you came around on him. Came huh? around, man. Tannehill did too many crazy things. I, I swore he would never do. Um, I'm going to say I like him to go to the Jags. And the reason is, is because I know who the quarterback's going to be. Trevor Lawrence, to me, I think he can do some of the similar things he did with Ryan Tannehill in a more talented guy like Trevor Lawrence. Big, strong arm, underrated athletically. And they already have a running game with James Robinson. So I think if he can bring some of the same things he did with the Titans to the Jags, I think you can start to see some similar success. Did you say underrated? in the same sentence as Trevor Lawrence? I thought I'd never hear you say Athleticism, yeah, because people think he's slow. He's not. <laughs> Number three, I, this is a guy that was not on my radar screen that much. Because you just, probably didn't know who he was, and I guarantee you got the same person. I know, who, I know who this guy is. I've, I've been following his progression. He's learned under some great head coaches, some of the best, actually. I got Brian Dable. All right, we got the same number three. I, I've got him. Listen, what he has done with that Buffalo offense without really having a true number one. No, no, no. What did he do with Josh Allen? Like, let's well, not that's get what, That's what I'm saying. I'm saying with that offense and then what he's done with and for Josh Allen. And I like him going to the Chargers for all the reasons you named the enemy going there. Young quarterback. I think he can. I think the defense is well, young. Regardless, well, regardless of. Like who goes there? It seems like you think the Chargers is a trap job in general. Like they like just because of who they would have to play in a division every year. Oh, it is. But I'm just saying why I didn't like the enemy doing it is because I think Andy Reid knows him. Mm-hmm. See that, or maybe he knows of, Andy Reid. Maybe, maybe. But the Chargers defense is not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 2002. Let's not be fooled. Yeah. Of when Chargers, Gruden, I mean, Chargers, of, of, if they're of, healthy, they do have some pieces on defense, but I get what you're saying. Of when Gruden beat the Raiders in the Super Bowl, he obviously knew their offense, but he had like an all-time great defense in Tampa. Yeah, let's not, in let's not be fooled there either. So I've got number three, Brian Dable, going uh, or good fit the Chargers. Speaking of trap jobs, I think you should go to the Jets. And only because I think the quarter. Whichever quarterback he ends up with, it's either going to be Sam Darnold or it's going to be Justin Fields. Very comparable to what Josh Allen brings to the table. If he can turn Josh Allen into an MVP the same year that Mahomes is going off and Aaron Rodgers is playing like he did four or five years ago, if he can make Josh Allen stand out in that season, I think I think the sky's the limit of what he could do for somebody like Fields or um, Darnold if they decide to keep them. I like that. that I. I'd have no problem if he went to the Jets. I still like the Chargers better for him, but I, I like that Jets. But before you go to the next question, what I want to know is what is the best coaching destination des- destination in your opinion available this offseason right now of those six teams? It was the Texas until they already hired the GM. As a coach, I probably would want to go to – well, I would want to go to any of these teams that would give me the Kyle Shanahan treatment where they're going to be like, all right, look, here's the five-year contract. We're going to let you see out the five years. The best chance for me to do that, I would say, is the Jags because I think 
you have well first you already know who your quarterback's going to be for sure and you at least you know he's got talent but you also have the cap space and you have a lot of good draft picks so the foundation to do what you want to do and put your imprint on the team is already there you have a lot of weapon a lot of options and ability to do that and plus i think shag Khan, the owner i think he's a good owner i think he's really patient with people because he was more patient with some of these guys than i would have been like i would have got rid of doug marone after the first year you know he's given and tom coughlin you know he's given guys you know time to do something until it just you know ultimately just it's too embarrassing to keep him around so i would think oddly enough in jacksonville i think i got the longest road plus no state income tax there the the of coaches, the coaches, the coaches check is much larger. I'm going to, I'm going to stay to the South, but to the NFC and I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. See, I, always it, think that, I think that's the trap job because all the guys that are propping that team up are old and one or two years from now, they might not even be there. And then you don't even have they're They win enough to where you're not going to get the draft pick to replace those guys and keep the machine going. So that is exactly why I think it's a great spot. You're going to come in there. Most coaches, JT, look at look at Zach Taylor, right? You would have thought, oh, hey, they're, they're perennially getting the number one and two spot. And then you get Burrow. And guess what? He gets hurt. And sometimes picks don't pan out. And Zach Taylor, they had to go on record and give him a vote of confidence after two years. Like, dude. Well, because I, th- well, I think but, they, they, they've but, shown but, improvement. It's just but, their quarterback effort. But, it, it, but, but that's my whole point. It doesn't matter. Guys, owners nowadays don't want to see improvement. This isn't the 1960s, 70s where you can build through the draft. It, they want instant gratification, instant victories, right? Instant Super Bowls, basically. But with the Falcons, that'll buy you time because with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, you're going to win four or five games automatically. If you can build the defense, then you have a young stud like Calvin Ridley. They just traded for Hayden Hurst, still a very young, pretty good tight end. He's not that young, but he is a pretty good tight end. But this is why I like the Falcons job. They're picking number four this year. So you have options. You don't need to be like the Jaguars and be like, well, we got to go quarterback. If, you can trade out of that spot. Great. If there's a quarterback there and you want to replace Matt Ryan and give, Wilson, that, maybe. And, and give that time, give that guy time to grow, you can take that. Or if you want to take a stud defensive guy or a stud lineman, you can do that. They're in a perfect spot there. You're going to win early to save your job. And I love what you said about the owner of the Jaguars. Arthur Blank's the same way. Yeah, he he, hung, he he's up there. I agree with you. He hung on to Thomas Dimitrov for how long? And but then, Dimitrov did have it's like he, the tail of two halves. He did have some good some good drafts, but then at the tail end they didn't. So yeah, I, I do agree. If anybody's he, gonna do what Shad Khan does, Arthur Blank's gonna give yeah, you some time and, too because he gave um what's his name Dan Quinn Dan Quinn way too and much he, time exactly, and that's and and that's why another reason why I think it's the best job. All right, so speaking of coaches and going places, there's one guy we didn't talk about. Um, so at the time of the recording, Urban Meyer is the early front runner for the Jags position and reportedly is looking for $12 million per year. Should he take the job? JT, what kind of question? Of course, he's got $12 million reasons to say yes. And like I said before, no state income tax in Florida. I mean, listen, warm weather. You've got the AFC South, one of the weaker divisions. You've got the number one overall draft pick. I already talked about James Robinson. 
And then you have a bunch of college all-star receivers down there with what D.D. Westbrook, my my dude Chanel. Um, I mean, oh, Lavisca Chanel. Yeah, <laughs> you turned it, him French now, <laughs> Chanel. <laughs> and then um, uh, D.J. Chark, who who ruined all my fantasy teams, but because he quit, because he he had nobody to throw him the ball. <laughs> he always wanted to coach in the NFL. He said. He's going to go do that two or three years, take his money, and he'll be out after two or three years because then he that's that's his ammo or that's his MO. Okay. So I'm answering this question as Urban Meyer, obviously, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. $12 million a year. Next question. Because that's more annually than John Gruden made, right? Gruden made 10 mil for 10 years, right? Yeah, but I think Gruden's got 100 mil guaranteed. Well, I'm assuming he going to work out. Well, the coaching money is always guaranteed. It's nope, just how nope. many years can you get? And that's what I was going to say. No way he gets 10 years because yeah. they know uh, Urban you never, Meyer. You never know because people believe in Meyer, and he's he's asked, putting his you know price tag out there. He always he can obviously get it. He always leaves when the going gets tough. Yep, he got a lot of um, Bobby Petrino in him. Uh, that's why I'd be hesitant to give him the job. But uh, like we already talked about, Jags have, I think, top three in cap space next year, 11 draft picks. It's a great situation uh, coupled with the financial security if you can get it. If he gets $12 million over seven years, I, you couldn't drive me to Jacksonville fast enough to take this job. Absolutely. Seven years? Oh, I don't know if he'll get that many. If he does, wow. Well, here's the thing. He, it's funny. I think it's built in that they want him because – essentially they're in play to get a quarterback that he coached. So they know, they know that at least the guy that's coming in has worked with him before they, he knows how to get the best out of him. So we'll see what happens. Or Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You never know. So speaking of the NFL, we've talked a lot about draft picks. Let's do a, you know, a never too early NFL mock draft 1.0 JT in the Don style. So this is how we think it will play out. And let, let's put the trades aside. No, no trades here, all right? Just straight just, up. Yeah, just straight up for now because we know you love doing trades and they never actually pan out. So what is your mock draft of the top five picks in this April's NFL draft? All right, so we'll go one for one. Yeah, we'll um, go one for one. So Jaguars are obviously number one. Who do you think they take? It's got to be Trevor Lawrence. I agree. Jets are number two. Who are they taking? It's got to be Justin Fields. And I totally agree so far. Number three. Now, I think this is where it gets interesting. The Dolphins have the number three pick. Now, remember, uh, they got this pick from the Houston Texans. Thank you, Houston. Here's here's what it comes down to. I know who you're going to say. And all my Dolphins friends have been texting me nonstop for the past couple days and basically saying if they don't pick the guy you want, they're going to, you know, just not be Dolphins fans anymore. I'm going to go with the guy they should pick, and that's uh, – I hope I'm saying his name right. It's, it's Pene Sewell, offensive tackle from Oregon. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oregon, number three pick, Deion Jordan all over again. It's not the same thing. And, and it was a trade-off. It was, it a, was trade-off. a trade-off. <laughs> not the same thing. Here's what I'm looking at that spot. Can never have too much protection up front. Also, too, Sewell is being pegged as, like, the, maybe the best tackle the past 15 years, like, in that conversation. You pick in the top three, you take risks on quarterbacks. Everything else needs to be safe. He's the safest guy in the top five. 
I mean, you can't argue with that one because outside of the quarterback position, to me, offensive line, most important position on the field. Um, but JT, I picked this guy to win the Heisman. It came true. Kudos it, to you. It, yeah, you it, did. It came true. It's got to go. Got the Dolphins have to go. Devonte Smith. I mean, listen again. Who's his, what? What school did he go to? Devonte Smith. And what school did? Yes, probably I know this, they this, they had the the miracle moment as freshmen there, in the national championship. There you game. go. Two of the Devonte Smith. It's natural. It's like butter on bread. Come on. I mean, you got to go. Listen. Name the last time the Dolphins have had a dynamic Brandon he Marshall return, he can return punts but Brandon Marshall didn't oh, oh I didn't hear you the rest of your question well the last dynamic punt returner we had was Ted no, Ginn no, number no, no, nine no. no what I'm saying is dynamic overall game changer that a game also breaker. is is a punt return specialist like this is your guy you need that let Flores build the defense the way Belichick did he'll figure out he'll come up with schemes even though they didn't do so well against Buffalo but he can get there and you've already invested a lot of picks on defense. At some point, JT, at some point, because you got no running backs, no receivers, Gesicki's okay. At some point, JT, if you if Tua is your guy, you got to get him weapons. If not, you're going to have the same year over and over the way you did this year. Here, I agree with you. Two things why I'm, I'm really nervous about taking Devonta Smith at number three. Watching the Heisman Trophy presentation, I really forgot how small he is. It don't and, matter. It don't matter. And when you, I'm, I, he's, he's electric. Like if we took him at twelve or eighteen, I would say, oh, run it up to the podium. It's easy decision. But you're talking about number three. That means he got to come in there and be like a top eight receiver in the NFL right away. I'm not so sure that's gonna be be happening right away basically at number three you're hoping that he comes in and he's at least what calvin ridley was and really got taken way later down in the teens and also this too two other guys is why i wouldn't take smith at number three jamar chase and Jalen wallow there's other there's always other guys in the draft that can play receiver now he's special don't get me wrong smith is special dude just won the heisman first receiver to win it in 21 years i get it but we can't fall in love with the hype. Stick with the plan. Protect the guy that you took at number five last year. Get the safe thing. I know it's boring. Get the tackle. Nah, I. <laughs> oh man, we could go on forever about that pick, but I, I don't agree with you there. Number four is the Falcons. Who you think they taken? I think they do something really smart. Patrick Sertain Jr. If he comes out, cornerback Bama. I think they go Zach Wilson. That's mm. the move. Zach Wilson. He sits behind Matt Ryan for a year. Real Ryan- talk. I, 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 if anybody's going to trade out of a pick, I think it's them. So we're no, assuming they no, stay no. there. Uh, I think they stay. I don't see why they – you know why they don't trade, JT? Because I think a couple picks later is the Carolina Panthers. Same division. They don't want that. They want to pick in front I'm of going Carolina. Sertan, Jr. All right, I'm, it's I'm so going Zach weird. Wilson. He's, he's not – I feel like he's not I'm, flashy, but everybody that watches him says like he's probably one of the best like cornerbacks in in the league. He's what SEC Defensive Player of the Year. I feel like he is doing the hype that we're given to Stingley at LSU. Like I think oh, Stingley, Stingley is like like the freaky athlete, but Sertain's actually doing it on the field. I think Stingley's special, and he he showed it. He is he, special too. When he doesn't Sert- when he doesn't play, they get shredded. 
<laughs> I think, well, I mean, it's LSU to get shredded anyway. But um, I don't know. I think something special about Sertain. I, li- I like him. Bloodlines, obviously. Right, you like him because his dad played with the Dolphins. Number five, the Bengals. Ooh. This is, I think this is going to be uh, maybe a reach, but I think he's got potential. I think it's Gregory Russo, your boy from the U. Wow, that's super early. I'm going Penny Sewell. They're going to protect Burrow for if the he reason fa- he if got he hurt. If he falls, that will be the pick for sure. Okay, okay. All right. All right, well, JT, let's go to college football now. Dabo Sweeney, is he eating some crow sandwich now or what? I don't know. But <laughs> Oh, shout out. Can you give me my props? I told you Clemson would lose that game. I called it. We're- uh, we're we're going to talk about one of JT's favorite people, though. Got to throw that in there. Dabo Sweeney. So Clemson, as JT mentioned, got pounded by Ohio State in the semifinal of the college football playoffs, 49-28. Now, if you recall, at the end of the regular season, um, and actually after the championship games, Dabo Sweeney ranked Ohio State number 11 in the, his coaches poll, and then doubled down on that statement by saying after the loss, he doesn't regret putting them at number 11. So JT, should he have done that, meaning put them at number 11, and should he now be regretting it? No, he shouldn't have done it because I don't understand what he was thinking. And this is just Dabo's arrogance and cockiness and pride. You played this team last year, and they were – they were – pretty much beating you until like the end of the game turned around last year. So I get what he was thinking. They didn't play that many games. They didn't look great in the games that they played. Let's uh, let's put a little mental pressure on them. And it backfired because that team thought they got robbed last year in the playoffs when they played you, you give them an opportunity to run it back. I picked the, I picked Ohio state to win this game. When I saw what Justin Fields says, he said, I had never prepared for any game more in my life than this Clemson game. So what that told me is they was like, look, we don't care about these six games. We hope we draw Clemson in the college football playoff. And they did. And they took them to, they took it to them. And yeah, it's Dabble's fault because you ranked them at number 11. We talked about this, no matter how many games they play, even if they would have lost the game, ain't no way Ohio state is the number 11th best team in the, in the country. That's so disrespectful. What did you think were gonna, was going to happen? They came out and beat you down. <laughs> Enough said. And he should not have have put them in number eleven. If you don't want to put them in the top four in the playoffs, that's one thing. But the say, I just don't on, get what he was thinking though. Well, like, did well, you think they reason, were mentally weak or something? No, no. His reason was for the games played. Yeah, for the games played, I don't think anyone at six and zero should be in the top ten. Or maybe he was hoping they wouldn't make it. He's like, look, they only got six. Don't I, let them in. I think he was scared to play them, and that's what happened. Maybe that's what and it was. He absolutely should regret it because Ohio State was pissed. JT, they can, you know, they can say all this. Oh, it didn't matter. We come out there and play semifinals. Motivation. Enough. They wanted to whoop his ass. Yeah, absolutely, straight up. absolutely. They use that as extra motivation, and you don't give good teams that that additional motivation you you see that with Belichick's teams you never give them bulletin board material and that's what he did and paid the price for it and so did his team dearly (laughs) now Trevor Lawrence uh on Wednesday declared for the NFL draft after the Heisman uh Tuesday night so JT this leads us to the question of did he live up to his expectations at Clemson that's so tough because 
I think everyone has different expectations for people. Me personally, my expectations for Trevor Lawrence were high because he was hyped up as probably the best quarterback prospects as Peyton Manning. Um, definitely, if not the best high school quarterback prospect ever, just from not only he had never lost in high school, but also like NF, they were saying like NFL scouts were saying like he is the perfect prospect. Then he came into Clemson, an already good team, made Kelly be retired after one spring, one spring scrimmage, basically. Uh, you you knew Trevor Lawrence was the guy. I saw him throw like a like a, a sixty yard bomb in a, in a um, spring game, and I was like, my for me the expectations were through the roof. And I know you're probably not going to agree with me. I was kind of left a little disappointed because you won the first time, and then you had little cracks in the armor along the way over the next two years, and you made it back, and you got played outplayed by guys that kind of came out of nowhere, like Joe Burrow. Nobody knew who he was before that. Before he had the Heisman season last year, you got outplayed by him in a national championship game two years ago, and you didn't even get back to the national championship this year. You got outplayed by a guy badly that there's no debate amongst NFL circles that he's going over you in the draft. Number one, he's a distant number two, and he ain't even a finished prospect as a quarterback. And he's got shown up by those two guys back-to-back occasions so he did get the one title one loss in the regular season I guess to his name but yeah I was kind of disappointed I expected more I expected two Heismans and two or three championships from him man it's hard to say that to say no that he did not live up to the expectations but I'm gonna agree with you I don't think he did because I think after that First, he ran Kelly Bryant out of town, right? He did. And Kelly Bryant had just taken them to the playoffs. Kelly the B before. was the man at Clemson. Exactly. He was supposed to replace Deshaun Watson. So you run him out of town. And then what if I would have told you, okay, he wins the, the first year, blows out Bama? Oh, expectations are sky high. A true freshman blowing out Bama in the national championship game? Exactly. And I think that's why I don't think he lived up to the expectation. But they were really high to begin with. But – if I but that, but you, that's where we are. Like that, yeah, that is what I, it is. I, I agree. Those are the expectations. That's the question. If I would have told you he wins one title, gets to a title game and loses it, gets to a playoff and no Heisman, that's basically Deshaun Watson. I think the so, zero Heisman and, and is, thought, is, is more than the championships. It's the yeah, zero Heisman for it me. Is. It's like they basically make this award to give it to you. All you got to do is not screw up. And they couldn't find a way to give it to him in three years. And a receiver got it instead. Not even a Joe Burrow yeah. this time. Yeah, so I just, it is disappointing. And, and I feel bad because it sounds like we're saying he sucks. But it's just like, no, you came in at a 10, you left at a 7. That's a disappointment because if I'm expecting a 10 or 100% on the test and I get a 70, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to say he left as an 8, 8.5. Didn't win right. the title. But I agree. So, dare I ask this question, what are your expectations then for him in the NFL? Assuming he goes to the Jags? I mean, yeah, because it does look like that. Uh, sky high again, because people still think he's, he's Peyton Manning slash Andrew Luck. Plus, he's going to the Jags. I know people think of the Jags as just like being the Jags, but that's, that offense has talent. I mean, you look at – they got the running back already. They got DJ Chark. They got your boy LaVisca Chenault. They got weapons. So it's not like he's stepping into a situation where he's not throwing to anybody. 
he's got the pieces around him. They got the cap space. They got the draft picks. We don't know who the coach is going to be, but we're assuming it's going to be one of these very offensively talented guys, maybe an Urban Meyer. So my expectations are going to be sky high. I'm expecting multiple MVPs, multiple Super Bowls. If he don't get a ring or an MVP, I'm going to have the same opinion about him in the NFL as I did at Clemson. So my expectations aren't quite as high as, as yours, but they're still high. My expectation is this. He does what Peyton Manning did for the Colts. Turn the franchise around, get them as a perennial playoff team, maybe win an MVP, and maybe win a Super Bowl, at least get to a Super Bowl, all with the Jaguars. But you not know what, not the Broncos part, the Jaguars. And my biggest thing, my expectation for him is, You've got to turn around that organization to, to, to make it like a Colts now. The Colts were the laughing stock. They're not anymore, and that's because of Manning. They've had mm-hmm. 25 years of consistency now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if Matthew Stafford is allowed to, to you know, slide through his career without so many expectations, because really, to be honest well, with you, again, that. Again, that's different, though. He didn't have the hype. He did, though. Nah, but, but not like Think Trevor about it, though. Of number course one, he had Number hype. one prospect in high school. I'm surprised he went to Georgia, but number one prospect, everybody was saying he was going to be a number one pick whenever he came out. Yeah, like, they, but, were just, they were just waiting on him. Yeah, but did he start as a freshman? At Georgia? Yeah. Yeah, I think he did. But did he take him to a title game? No, he just was didn't, he he didn't ever perform. Was he ever a finalist? He okay, didn't perform. So the expectations in the NFL, though, were different. You, you're looking at his He went school. number one overall. So, so I get what you're saying. Johnson. I get what you're saying. My expectations, but uh, long story short, my expectations for Trevor are really high. So, Trevor, yeah. you don't win a ring. They're not real. Two MVPs, you ain't shit because I'm looking at all these other guys that are doing it. And if all the NFL analysts, they pay all these millions of dollars to be experts, if they say you're the next Peyton Manning and you ain't the next Peyton Manning, you a bust. Listen, it's not realistic unless he gets the right coach because that organization has oh, not yeah, shown sure. they can do it. Well, they better go find Tom okay. Moore and make him call plays. Other than that, I'm not giving him no leeway. All right, so we're going to stick with college football for a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the college football championship. So we're going to do a little bit of a preview. So, you know, uh, upcoming this upcoming Monday is the title game between Bama and only for last weekend, Mile House State Buckeyes, but now I they're back in the I can't stand them. So I wanted them just to win to beat Clemson, but obviously I don't want them to win this. So a couple of questions here regarding the game. One, what's the top storyline that you're looking forward to within this game? So it depends if they even play it on January 11th at crazy. this point. Um, I think the top storyline is can Ohio State contain the passing game of Alabama? Because that's the one weakness on that defense is the secondary. If they can contain, I'm not saying shut down, but contain the passing game of Alabama, then Ohio State has a great chance of winning. Devontae Smith, that mind you, did I mention that I picked him to win the Heisman? Um, yes, he, he He won the Heisman, and he has to lead the way against that secondary. Thank you. Hold on, can, we, can we just stop this for a second? Um, I just want to give applause. You guys, if you guys don't know, the Nato – correctly picked the Heisman Trophy winner. So he picked Devonta Smith to win the Heisman. I didn't know if you guys knew that, but I just wanted to take time in our show to let you know that he correctly picked the Heisman Trophy winner. Congrats to you. Very excellent call. 
Thank you. I can't toot my horn totally because it was halfway through the season that I picked him. Now, he has to lead the way against that secondary that basically got torched against Clemson. You get, Some people are going to say, oh, that was in garbage time. They had a big lead. I mean, listen, the stats, in my opinion, are what the stats are. Now, the other top storyline, and maybe you were going to get to this, so sorry, JT, is the Justin Fields injury. They're not even sure if he's able to play. And even if he does, he's had that week or so. Does that pain it's linger? lingering? It's lingering. They're not going to say it. I think he has busted ribs. Well, that's like, the they're th- not going to say that, but that's exactly what it looks right. like. Right. Like, that's the thing. Ohio State doesn't discuss injuries ahead of time. So, and Ryan Day said that. So, I'm with you there. Now that he, the adrenaline's calmed down, he's not taking the shots, he's not in the game. I think this is going to affect them if it's as bad as it looked. And so that is key because they cannot win without Justin Fields. Yeah. So I took the easy way out and it's, I am going to stick with Justin Fields because I think he is the game. Like he is the most important storyline in the game. Really what I'm looking for is, can he play well enough to make people have thoughts about taking him number one over Trevor Lawrence? Because I know we're not, well, you are not me really. Betting men, and if you're oh, going to Vegas, if you're I don't going do to Vegas, oh please, I do not don't, do don't that. maybe bring on the air what you try to try to get us to bet on uh, off air. Oh, we should get you know ten thousand dollars together and just throw it on this uh, parlay. So whatever, bro. Don't be, don't be <laughs> first off, first off, if we could combine our money and have ten thousand, we are not betting. We're gonna we're gonna ten, build no, you ten, like that, a, just to we're have gonna 10, build you a pool in your parlay. backyard. We're gonna build you a pool behind that mansion you just built. We're gonna we're gonna build you a this pool. guy this, a pool this guy house. disclosing personal information. Then, I, I, I don't have a the guys. I, so do I did not write me. I did not give them the address. Listen, and then we're going to, with that 10000 we'll build you the pool and then myself a pool house behind your mansion. This guy always thinking of himself. But there, but what I was trying to get to is everybody in Vegas thinks Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall. Here's the thing. He outplayed Trevor Lawrence already, and if he balls out anywhere close to what he did against Clemson, against Bama, some, some idiot at the top is going to have second thoughts. And all you need is a seed of doubt because – if he does, it's essentially what happened last year. Nobody was even talking about Joe Burrow going number one overall until he balled out in the college football playoffs. And that's when people got serious. They're like, all right, we have to seriously consider taking this guy number all. I believe if Burrow doesn't either win a championship or balls out like he did in the playoffs, I still think since he takes two at number one and waits for him to get healthy. But Justin Fields, if you ball out the way you did against Clemson, somebody somewhere is going to think about taking you number one in the Jags organization. Can he do that? That's my biggest storyline. So we kind of talked about Justin Fields, so we're going to let that go. Let's go to other players that are playing in the game. So uh, let's two two. What two guys are you keeping your eyes glued to in this game? I think I know one already. But who are you watching in the game that will make you think um, – a difference not only in this game but that uh about how they'll end up performing in the nfl well listen besides the guy that i correctly picked for the heisman we got oh could you lean into the we, microphone we, we can't hear you uh, clearly but, enough oh sorry is it can you hear me now yeah i can hear you now okay. go ahead what were you okay. saying so beside you mean beside the guy that i picked to win the heisman correctly? besides devonta smith okay yes okay because so he's not on any of my he, list but whatever he's, he's number one on mine it is the matchup it, it's a two for one here 
It is the matchup of two possible first-round picks, Patrick Sertain, who you mentioned earlier, versus I'm hoping he covers Chris Olave. I don't know. Definitely. That's what. I, that's one of the ones I have down, for sure. So that's what I got. I got. The, I just want to see that matchup. I love great receivers against great cornerbacks. I, I love those matchups. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I'm going to not do that one because you said it, but there's three particular players I'm looking at. Selfish reasons for the Dolphins, Alex Leatherwood. Left tackle. I actually I'm have, looking at. I have that written down as number three. Reason I'm looking at him is Bama always has these linemen that are always five stars out of high school, and they get hyped up and they kind of get lost in the shuffle. There, like the running backs and the receivers produce, but you kind of lose track of these linemen if they're actually doing good or not. And then, if you want to be honest, like the Bama track record of linemen to the NFL has not been great. If you look at the ones that have been hyped up from high school, they're on winning football teams, and you know they don't really pan out like that i can go through a list of those guys leatherwood is that next guy up i want to see how he plays because we both talked about this as soon as we were watching that game ohio state's front four and the front seven they physical they're coming so i want to see if leatherwood is gonna you know show us like all right he's a stud i can take him in the top 10 um next one i for, i think people forget he's still on the team is dylan moses because you forget he was a top, what, 10 NFL prospect just two years ago. He was definitely the top linebacker prospect. He was that next um, – who's the guy that plays – he's played for the Ravens, plays for the Jets now, hasn't played. C.J. Mosley. Yeah, C.J. – he was the next C.J. Mosley. And it was just, just, all right, he's the next Bama linebacker up. He's going to be a top 10 pick. He got hurt, falling off the map. He played okay against Clemson. I want to see how he plays in this game because I think he'll be coming out regardless. And then last is your boy Trey Sermon, running back, Ohio State. Is he Zeke Elliott 2.0 in the college football playoffs? Because if so, you could forget that fourth-round draft grade they got on him. He's shooting up into the top ten, I guarantee you. Yeah, he's had an amazing run here at Ohio State uh, after transferring from Oklahoma. Got to give gotta give him credit there. And if he balls out against Bama's defense, they will overvalue him in the NFL draft. No doubt about it. We could bet on that. Um, your favorite part, give me your prediction for the game. It's a shootout, JT. 40 to 32. Yeah, I love go that way. Alabama. Yeah, I don't think either of us is gonna pick Ohio State to win just because we hate them. Um, I'm going a little bit different. I think it's Bama 34, Ohio State 21. Okay. Okay, still somewhat of a sh- I mean, not a complete shootout, but high scoring still. Mm-hmm. The, the reason why I go 40 to 32, I thought I saw something on Monday right after they came out. With the over-under? Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe I guess maybe it was like Saturday because they played, what, Friday? Yeah, the over-under, they're saying, is reaching possibly the highest-scoring championship game of all time for the over-under number. All right, I take that back. This is my new score. Alabama, 45, Ohio State, 37. Ooh, shoot out. We both got 72, which I think is right around the over-under. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> You're coming around. You're starting to learn the numbers, JT. Yeah, I like Vegas it. don't lie. I'm like, hey, Vegas never lies. So let's uh, – another kind of Vegas topic, the never too early, or I should say in this case, the way too early Heisman pick. So as I mentioned, I, I take that back. It's not the never too early. This is the way too early because it really is. But let's give us our – Let's give we're going to give our prediction, JT, on who we think is the early Heisman front runner. Not necessarily like the favorite, but the, like somebody who you think will, will win, could have a chance to win next year. 
well, let's just say front runner. Who who you think? Just who you think is the front runner right now? If this if, was t- this was if tough. you had the pick, let's say if you had the pick, front runner is it's just whoever's coming back. So um, yeah. uh, DJ who's, who, no, no, no. who who's the one guy that you're sitting there saying? I think if I had to make the odds, this is who's number one on the list. Well, first of all, I looked at the list, and um, DJ Ulaley is up there, and then I saw um, um, Derek King still at that number three or four. Uh, I saw he was at like number ten, but he dropped. I could be, I could, I could be, I could be wrong. I could be. I didn't look at the odds. I looked at just a list. Well, regardless of that, whatever. I didn't look at that list. I, I don't. I didn't want to pick anybody on that list. To me, this who this is who I think could be a front runner, and it's somebody that didn't even start this year. This is contingent on him winning the job, and it's just merely by circumstance. I think it's Bryce Young, quarterback at Bama, five star top quarterback taking over. You know that team's loaded. You know they'll be in the in the in the college football playoff again. Bama always has weapons. They're they're gonna get a new OC. They're gonna bring all this innovative play calling in. And you got this young, talented kid who is like highly rated of all the highly rated Bama quarterbacks that have come in over the years. I'm telling you, I think it's going to be him. I, I think that's a good one. And I think you probably could throw in whoever the backup right now in Ohio State is. It ain't, well, if it was Tate Martell, we couldn't do that. But <laughs> well, that, that's why he's no longer there. I'm going to go with quarterbacks. I, I'm going to kind of put two here because I didn't know who to pick. Brock Purdy, who's coming back to Iowa. I wanted to pick him because I know he's up there, but I just feel like he's just the only guy that's coming back, so you got to throw him up there. Well, this is this is the other guy. This is the other guy I'm thinking is JT Daniels. Do you realize? I, I want to pick him, but I just uh, – They went – It's Georgia. I, Georgia no, quarterbacks, I, Heisman just don't mix. I know, I know, but you got you got to remember something. Is their offense starting to go more toward the Alabama way? Because, listen, they got Pickens out there I think they'll still have. And he was 4-0, JT, down the stretch. In those four games, 10 touchdowns. That's two and a half a game. That's right where you want to be, two and a half to three touchdowns a game. The question is, and it always is this, can they beat Florida? Can they beat Bama? And then can they beat Bama in the title game? Well, okay, Listen, okay. LSU under Burrow was able to beat Bama – and then win the SEC title, and that's basically Well, here's the thing with Georgia. I like your premise. I actually like JT Daniels. I liked him when he was at USC. thing I worry about with, with him, it's not about the player. It's about that Georgia defense being good enough to where they don't have to put up points. But listen, LSU's defense, Alabama's defense has been good. They put points up. Georgia has to learn to put points up, and I think JT Daniels is finally that quarterback because I'm with you. All the Georgia quarterbacks look the same. The build, yeah. the arm, 20, how they play, they, their demeanor. This is the Georgia it, stat line. 2,800 yards, 24 touchdowns, maybe six, seven interceptions, and that's it. That's what yeah, they do. Yeah, Matthew and like a 10-2 record. David Green did it. 10-2 and two record, right? Yeah, 10-2 and two record. If if Bam or LSU is down on the west side. So, right. But I, I think JT Daniels might be different. All right, he got JT Daniels, Brock Purdy. I got Bryce Young. Um Derek King, I wish I could put you in there, but it doesn't let you're going to play the whole year. Uh, speedy recovery to him. So um, I want to go back to something that you briefly touched on in the in, earlier in the show. Uh, you brought up, we were talking about uh, most impressive performances, and you were talking about Callie Brunson becoming the first, well, she was the first woman to coach uh, a position 
during an NFL game uh, this year for the Browns. So um, got me thinking, I feel like 2020 has just been like a milestone for women in sports. So 2021 is no different. On Monday, the Boston Red Sox hired Bianca Smith to be a minor league coach. That, of course, made her the first black woman to coach in professional baseball. And then this follows on the historic move that the Miami Marlins made when they hired Kim Ang in November, making her the first woman in MLB history to be named GM. And then, of course, uh, to throw in uh, the NBA as well, last month against the Lakers, uh, Coach Greg Popovich got ejected from a game. Of course, everyone's uh, top candidate to be a coach regardless. Uh, Becky Hammond made history by being the first woman to serve as a head coach in the NBA game. Of course, filling in for Coach Pop once he was ejected. So, Don, we've been seemingly waiting for this forever, but I want to ask you, how close are we to having women in top positions in every major sport? I think it'll eventually happen. That's a, that's a really tough question to answer when we think it will. I'm going to say just, I think, based on the progression of things and, you know, how long it does take. I think in the next 10 to 15 years, which I know sounds like a long time, um, I think it should happen way sooner and it Mm -hmm. should have already have happened. But I think in that next 10 to 15 years is where we'll finally see at least one. I think the bigger question is when that does happen, JT, will it open the door to many others to follow? Meaning of the, 30-some basketball teams and baseball teams, are we just going to have one? Or is it going to be many get a chance to interview, you have one or two, you know, kind of hired maybe every cycle? That's really the question. Is it going to be just a one and done? Or is it, or is it kind of like a Rudy Rule thing where we're just going to interview them Ex- and we're never going to take it exactly. seriously? Or is it going to be there's going to be so much pressure on the first female head coach that if they don't succeed, it's going to be like, oh. It's going to be like well, 10 steps back. Yeah, because yeah. that we can't hire, we, we can't take that chance. And it's like, what? Like, that's like even if that happens, that's, that's one person, that's one coach. There's probably so much pressure there. Like, you never get it right your first time around anyway as a coach, so most of the time. So I think the bigger question is the consistent hiring of female coaches in major sports how is that going to look in the next 10 to 15 years? But it's also not a given that we'll have one in the next 10 to 15 years. Because like I said, it should have happened, I already. say, probably already, right? We, yeah, I think sure. we've talked about this before, and then I'll let you answer. With college, and maybe this was with somebody else, but I think it was with you, with college basketball. Oh, the, is it the Gino uh, Ariema comment? There are yeah, we so, did talk about yeah, this. There are so many great female coaches just in college just in in um women's college basketball there's 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 dynasty level coaches in in female and women's college basketball i cannot dynasty level i cannot believe they haven't even had a chance at men's college basketball so that's why i'm like i don't know how long it's going to take it should have happened already so that's why i worry about i don't know when it's going to happen jt so to answer, I'm going to answer your question last, but to answer the original question, how close are we to having um, like women taking over top uh, positions in major? I'm going to keep it to U.S. sports because I think the international thing is a diff- little bit different uh, with American sports. 
if you had asked me this question two months ago, I would have said what you said, probably 10, 15 years if we're lucky. Honestly, I think we're a lot closer than that. I think it's about maybe five years away, and I'll tell you why. One, because the league that kind of started this and was spearheading it is the NBA, which most people agree is like they're like the most progressive league. So I don't know what they're waiting on with Becky Hammond, but I feel like in my in my gut, this is what I feel like they're waiting on with her. Either she's going to get the Spurs job when Pop steps down, or they're making sure that she steps into a position where she has a chance to succeed because I think they want the female coach to succeed because they want to do what you're saying. They want to have a pipeline from college to bring these women up and get them in the NBA system so they can start coaching because it's, it's clear about one thing. It's clear that in the NBA, the most of the coaches and the front office people, if women have strong basketball minds, they're going to respect them like men. I think that's the thought process. But more importantly, I think the players respect them. And that's the good thing. Kobe Bryant started it. You see LeBron is kind of taking up that mantle. And even the players and the other men in the sports first organization, they clearly respect uh, Becky Hammond. So I think that's what basketball is waiting on to make sure when she does get her chance, she gets set up right. And I think that'll open up the floodgates. But really what pushed my opinion about how soon they would do it is what baseball's done. Because to me, I thought they would be the last one because they're probably – I hate saying this, but they're probably the least progressive sport out of these team sports that we're talking about. But we, oddly enough, we talked about this when we were talking about, um, I forgot what the main topic was, but we were basically talking about how the Red Sox kind of, um, they were like fighting like, you know, like all the, like the racial like backlash they've had over the years. And they started making all these like different changes and stuff like that. And I think we said on that show, we're like, you know what? Like baseball's not taking this. Um, the Red Sox are showing this and maybe like, they're realizing they're moving toward, you know, like newer times and newer audience. They shocked me. I didn't think this was something I would see anytime soon. You named a woman as the GM, Miami Marlins. Congratulations. Thank you for doing that. She's running a team and Derek Jeter is basically there with her. So this is baseball's golden boy and a woman is calling the shots, a minority woman at that. And then you put a black woman coaching in the, I believe she's in the minor leagues, but I mean, that's a huge deal. That, that is way more progressive than anything that the NBA has done. So if the MLB is going at this pace, that gives me hope that this can be done in about five years. I hope, Hey, the, the sooner, the better. And I know that this is going to be something that not only on our show, but I think nationally in the media as our shows, not yet nationally JT, that this will be something talked about and definitely in the future more and more as we get closer to to that to that milestone um so let's go to everyone's favorite jt weekend predictions we have not four but six wild card nfl playoff games That's are crazy. you I love I, the NFL it's, playoffs. <laughs> jt i saw the schedule when they posted it one o'clock 4 15 like 8 15 on saturday one o'clock 4 15 8 15 on sunday I'm like, it, it doesn't get any better. Can we have wild card weekend every weekend? Like, you just want it for fantasy because you want to know if you're done or not. <laughs> no, I just, I just, I want this every weekend all year. Three football games Saturday on Sunday. Yeah, that would be good for like, a regular season. All, all big time. But um, anyway, first one, we're going to go chronological order here. So, 
Colts at Bills. Who you got? I'm going to regret this. I'm going to go with the Bills. I'm buying it. Okay, okay. I thought you were going to say Colts. I was like, don't do it. Don't do it. I got the Bills as well. Colts got to go outdoors in January in Buffalo with Phillip Rivers. Yeah. When's the last time Good that, with that. <laughs> When has he played the last time he has played a meaningful cold weather game, JT? Probably against the Patriots sometime and he lost. In, in 08, exactly. Is that it? Oh, I was just joking. I, I'm just guessing. Rams at Seahawks. This is the toughest game to pick because we're assuming Jared Goff is playing. I mean, do the Rams even know that? I mean, <laughs> we can't presume that. I'm going to say the Seahawks just because two reasons. I'm going to give Russell Wilson one last chance to be Russell Wilson. Also, too, I don't know if you saw this, but when the Rams found out that they were playing the Seahawks, Aaron Donald looked into the camera and was like, that's exactly who we wanted. Be careful what you ask for. I think the Seahawks gave it to him. Yeah, listen, Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players ever. Baddest dude on the planet. You, you do got to watch what you wish for. Um, oh man, these are both my guys going against each other. Sean McVay, Russell Wilson, but I got to go with Russ. The night capper on Saturday, Tampa Bay at Washington. I'm buying into it. I'm going to go on a limb. I'm saying Washington. Whoa! Home nah. game. They weren't supposed to be there. Everybody says they're not. They got they. The Eagles basically handed them a playoff berth. And also, too, I will say this: one thing Tom Brady does not play well in has been this, the story of his whole career, especially this year. It's pressure. If Washington gets to him, it's going to be it's going to be trouble. Well, I'm going to go Tampa Bay. I just don't think Washington has enough on on offense. Eventually, Tom Brady. We'll, we'll they they got they're giving me New York Giant vibes from 08. Not that they're not oh was it 07 when they when they were a wild card and they went all the way to Super Bowl. I'm not saying they're going to the Super Bowl, but they're not a they're like they snuck in. They're not a team to overlook. They got a good defense. It's a home game. Hmm. They don't have quite the offense that Giants team had. Um so Sunday, Ravens at Titans. Go on, my Super Bowl pick is the Ravens, of course. <laughs> Even though I did pick the Bucks to go too, but I'm definitely sticking with the Ravens. I've been with them all year. I'm not backing out now. I've got I've got the Ravens. The Titans just worry me at this point. I feel Their like defense is not good. Yeah, yeah. Things are falling apart there. Henry is the only one keeping them together, but the Ravens will focus on them this time. Bears at Saints. Bears. What? Yeah. Uh, the Bears, Saints, they're, dude, they're hot right let's now. Let's move they've, on. They've scored thirty points a game. I'm telling you, they're hot. Did you see that game against Green Bay? That was a playing game, JT. That's Green Bay. Let's not like the Saints. This, this, don't this, have holes. This defense is pretty darn good right now for the Saints. It is. It is. I'm just go. I, I I don't know. I just got, I just got a sneaky suspicion the Bears are going to win. Uh, not in the dome. Not in the dome. Browns at no Steelers. Fans probably going to regret this i'm going with you guys i'm giving you a chance i've got the browns or the browns Woo! i've got the steelers no no Brady no, no. Slip. <laughs> i've got the Steelers. i thought you were going with the browns that's why i was going oh i've got the steelers here um one it's my team but two there's just something about the 
Cleveland spoke a little too early. They were making TikTok videos to make fun of Juju. This making time, TikTok like, videos. Hey, y'all can't talk about people making but, TikTok videos. But see, I think that's the difference. They were mocking Juju in it. And I think that's why this time the Steelers use it as motivation. And there's a lot of stuff going on in the Cleveland facility. And then you have. Uh, I don't even think. I think Higgins. Stefanski has COVID. I don't even think he's coaching this game. Right. That's the thing. Stefanski's not coaching. You've got other coaches out. And then I don't know if you heard Rashad Higgins got um, cited for drag racing. Yeah. Early Tuesday morning. What you, who drag races in Cleveland? <laughs> so it, right now, I don't know what's going on there. They're not acting the way you should going into a playoff game. So I've got the Steelers as well. So, JT, we haven't done this in a while. Two of my favorite uh, segments. Make them quick, please. Trivia time. So we only got two questions here. First one. The Dolphins were so close to making the playoffs and having a top five pick in the same year um, in the NFL draft. However, the Dolphins did not make the playoffs. But had that happened, it would have been the first time since since what team and when that they made the playoffs. And then that draft year, basically, right after the season, had a top five pick. Do you know? It is in the 2000s, by the way. Five, got to have a countdown. Four, three, two. I'm going to say maybe the Patriots. Nope. It was the 2003 New York Jets. And they took Mark Sanchez? No. So they made the playoffs the year before, but in the 2002 season, but they picked number four overall. Do you know who they drafted? 2003? Yep. Was it the Brickishaw Ferguson? Ooh, close. Not bad. It was Dwayne Robertson, defensive tackle from Kentucky. Oh, God. <laughs> well, they, 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 they didn't have to make that pick anyway. So this is how they got it. Chicago traded that selection, number four overall, to the Jets in exchange for picks number 13 and 22 in the first round and the Jets' fourth round selection i was in the right division at least so my other question and then we'll go on to my next segment james robinson who ended up number two in rushing yards by an undrafted rookie in his rookie season all right he ended up missing the last couple games i believe he ended up 35 yards Rushing yards short. short of the record. Do you know who has the record? I actually do not. So it's funny. I've, I've seen that stat, but I never seen them show <laughs> who the guy is. There. I thought when you mentioned it earlier, I was like, oh, he's going to know who this is. Um, Five. I mentioned it earlier. Well, you mentioned the stat. Like you were like, oh, I thought he oh, was yeah. number one. Um, give me a, give me a second. Let me just let me just think of un- so it means a guy. Was a I believe it was in the 2000s. So it's a little ways back, but not, you know, it's not Undrafted. Like he had the rush for rookie running back he had Mm. what he had well over a a thousand i think like over 1100 all right i do got to put a timer on now we may lose i don't know Uh, alandis gary (laughs) (laughs) not bad dominic rhodes of the colts do you remember uh, Dominic Rowe? Yeah, I do remember him. I just don't remember him rushing for that many I, I did not remember. I was like, I knew he was all right, but not that good. 
damn, never would have gotten that. <laughs> All right, so we got to end on this note for the show. Surprise, JT. There's two that Which I want to. Which is basically trivia, so I don't know why you keep making it. It's not. No, thing. it's never trivia. This is more just off the cuff. What do you think? So I don't know if you know who this is. Ryan Garcia, one of the up-and-coming boxers, he fought. This is, is that is that the guy that got knocked down and then came back and won the fight and he was like yo he hit me i'm surprised he hit me he landed the hit yes it is it's a young guy he has quite so the- funny story funny story I, it's so funny you're talking about this so um week seven the last week of the fantasy playoffs was two weeks ago right so i got up early to watch a fantasy show and for for some reason um it landed on ESPN. They were having like this boxing recap show for the whole year. So like um, uh, Andre Ward and uh, I forgot who else was on it. Timothy they were all Brad- talking about Timothy like the young Bradley. Yeah, Bradley. They were they were uh, they were talking about all the young boxers. I was like, whatever. I'll put it on in the background. I ended up watching it because it was interesting. I was like, oh, this is how I can learn about boxing. Let me see who the young guys are. And um, he was one of the guys because they were talking about boxers that were going into 2021 who they think can make that big leap. And um, everybody was really excited about him. And there was another guy, I forgot, um, knockout artist, the young, the young Latin kid. Tia, Is that him? Well, from New York, Puerto Rican kid. Teofimo Lopez? No, no, no. They were saying basically who's going to be the next Teofimo Lopez. Oh. Um, forgot the guy's name. And they just showed all his highlights of him just knocking people out. Um, I forgot what his name was. But it's so funny you're asking about Boston because I rem- they brought up the guy you're asking about. Oh, was it Berla- Berlanga? Yes, Berlanga. Yes. So they were like showing, they were talking about those guys. And I was like, I looked up. I was like, damn, I'm watching this for 40 minutes. I was like, Donato would be proud. Yes. Man, you should have told me. We would have got on Zoom, watched it together. No, nah, I'm not. I'm not texting you to get on Zoom at like 10 a.m. You're not going to be up. Well, actually, yeah, you would be here. Yeah, you would yeah, be up. Absolutely. I don't want you to know that I'm up that early. Ah, I know. That's why you won the title this year in fantasy, but not in our league. So. Not in either of the leagues we were in. We were in two. But anyway, Ryan Garcia's interest, JT, was very similar. I don't know, similar. But basically, he rode in as a king on on a chair, on a throne. I saw that. Carried in almost like a, a, you know, a Roman emperor. I don't know. But anyway, how would you enter the ring and what would your walk-up music be? Or, or well, he, well, he entered and he gave the guy a body shot, right? And that's how he won. Yeah, yes. At the at the end, it was a body shot that did the guy in. Yes. How would I enter the ring? I wouldn't enter the ring like Wilder did with like three hundred pound gear on, but uh, I don't know. Maybe lower me in from the rafters because like nobody does it. Everybody walks in. I wanted like, I I wanted to be shocked. Like, oh, he got lowered into the ring. That's how I want to do it. WWE style. WWE style. What What's the entrance music? Depends on the time. Depends on what's going on in my life. I don't know. Depends on what kind of mood I'm in. I mean, this is. It depends champ- on who I'm fighting too, because I probably pick a song to troll listen, the person I'm going against. Cha- championship on the line. Floyd Money Mayweather in his prime. I don't know. So if I'm boxing you, um, <laughs> uh, I told you, Money Mayweather in his prime. You're walking into the ring to take his belt. Where I don't do know. Uh, probably. Just because it, it goes along with what I would think in that moment, probably baddest man alive, the black keys. Okay. I always thought the L Cool J Mama said knock you out was always oh, that's too easy. It's too easy. All right, all right. Next one, and it's the last one. I don't know if I'm getting the name right, but I read this report 
uh, a soccer player in Europe, Didier Lemkelze. He showed up, JT. He's been wanting a transfer, which is almost equivalent to like a trade, let's say. Yes, I do in, know a transfer. In, in American sports here. So he showed up to his home stadium in a rival team's uniform to try to force his transfer. Nice. Now, I like that guy. I'll tell you how the team reacted. If you were, you know, management on that team, how would you react to that guy? Do well, I'm assuming you know who the guy is. Is he really good? Is he valuable to the team? I, I don't I don't actually know how because if it's LeBron, I'll be like, <laughs> take that off, man. We got a game to play. <laughs> quit playing, quit playing. Yeah. If it's jello ball, <laughs> keep the jersey into your locker and get out of here. So it was funny because I don't know if it was security or management, but they literally kept the door shut as he's trying to open the, to walk into the uh, the offices, into the arena, or into the stadium. So quite comical. Look that up. You can find the you can find the picture. Shout out! I know this has nothing to do with the show. Um, as a recording, shout out to Bradley Beal. Fifty points, four minutes left in the third quarter. Damn. You have him in fantasy? No, I'm going against him. Ooh, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Well, welcome to my fantasy football life. You know, I go against Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Patrick Mahomes every week. So Hey, well, I don't have any sympathy, sympathy for you because I went against Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, and Derrick Henry in the same matchup. So No one wants to hear about you, JT, in your fantasy woes. So, JT, great episode. We covered a lot of stuff to the fans and listeners out there. Thank you for sticking with us. Happy New Year. We've got a lot more in store this year, a bigger and better JT and the Don All Sports Podcast. Please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you listen to all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review in JT. If you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And you can also follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Don. Please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So once again, thank you. Enjoy the weekend of NFL playoffs and the college football championship title game. And JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.